Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. And now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's series in the book of Ephesians called The Seventh Piece of Armor. better for people when you're praying in the spirit, obviously, and being sensitive to the will of God. And so uh, turn all the way to the book of Jude, just before the book of Revelation. Go to Jude chapter one. You won't miss it. There's only one chapter. So go to Jude chapter one. Yes. And uh, let's just look at, there's a lot of talk about uh, false teachers, but let's just look at uh, verse 18 and we'll move down. Jude 1, 18, that they were saying to you in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. 19, these are the ones who cause divisions. Worldly-minded, what are they? Devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, by contrast to them, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, would you notice? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, for all that we could say about this particular verse, I would say this. We often talk about being built up in our faith by the word of God, and that's undeniable because I could show you several scriptures right now where it's true that we are built up by the teaching of the word of God or our own devotional life. But another way in which you are built up spiritually is by praying in the Holy Spirit. And I think the plain reading of the text is clear that you build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And so prayer and the word of God are so huge. And that's why Paul is talking about this piece of armor that we have, which is completing the um, ensemble. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter six, which is prayer. And so are you putting on the seventh piece of armor, prayer? Uh, It's it's an everyday thing that you have to put on. And when you do, you're gonna find that your uh, spiritual walk is going to improve and be blessed. Now look at verse 18, the last part of the verse. So it says, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert. Now what do you think that Paul thinks that we should have in view as we think about the seventh piece of armor? With what in view? I think with spiritual warfare in view. I think he's saying through the viewfinder of the battlefield of spiritual warfare, keep this in mind. With this in view, with this truth in view, Uh, Notice he says, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. There's our word for who? All the saints. Now, oftentimes I know that people, they approach prayer and they say, I don't know what to pray for. Uh, Could I just maybe suggest something? Maybe your question should be, I don't know who to pray for. And when when you ask that question, I don't know how many people you know, But I know a lot of people because I know that there's a lot of people that go to this church. And if I say, I don't know who to pray for, uh, that would be a really dumb question. You know why? There's more people to pray for than I can shake a stick at. I don't even know where to begin sometimes. And maybe that's you tonight. You see, you may be on the prayer chain. Sometimes the prayer chain can be overwhelming because it comes by computer, one request after another request. And you're like, oh, Lord. There's so many needs in the world. What should I do? Remember the little boy walking on the seashore and all the starfish have uh, uh, gone up on the shore? And he's taking starfish and throwing them back into the ocean one at a time. And some cynical old man walks by and goes, <laughs> hey, boy, you're never going to be able to get all these starfish. You're never going to be able to help all these. And he said, well, I just helped that one. 
And sometimes I think by being overwhelmed, we sideline ourselves. We think this is, the need is too huge. Well, then why don't you just pray for the A's that you know? Then tomorrow, pray for the B's. Then tomorrow, pray for the C's. Maybe that's how we have to think about it. Or maybe we can trust that if there's five prayer requests that have come your way and you can only pray for two of them right now, hey, God's running the universe, it's okay. Pray for the two that you can pray for. Are you with me? See, this is, we have to keep the spiritual battle in view. And so let me just, uh, bringing the context home to us, let me just say, remember that this prayer that's being talked about here has to do with the battlefield. Pray for other people on the battlefield. I heard John Corson one time, he was talking and he was uh, preaching on James chapter four. And he was talking about uh, James saying, um, uh, you don't have because you don't ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it on your own pleasures. And then he was talking about how the problem is our flesh and that's why we war and everything. And he was talking about how sometimes when we're tempted to do something, what we should do to thwart the enemy's attacks is if you're tempted to do something, let's say it's just a typical temptation you receive, pray for five people who you know may all be struggling with a similar temptation. So in other words, the devil hits you. And you're like, oh, I don't don't know if I can stand against this. Why don't you do this? Why don't you pray for five people right now that you know may wrestle with that same thing? Maybe it's lust. Maybe you're a guy and you're dealing with a lustful thought and you know five brothers in Christ right now you could pray for. Now, how many more times do you think the enemy is gonna hit you with a lustful thought if you keep turning it into prayer for five other brothers? See, that's That's warfare. That's how you deal with temptation. That's how you begin to recognize the battle and you say, you know what? I can turn this around. Instead of me succumbing to the temptation, why don't I pray for five guys I know right now who may be wrestling with a similar temptation? That's how you begin to battle in spiritual warfare. Now it says to be on the alert. Look at verse 18, be on the alert with all perseverance. Uh, Jesus said men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Look, prayer takes perseverance, doesn't it? We don't always see the results immediately that we wanna see. So you have to persevere in prayer and you have to keep on the alert. Now with that in mind, go to 1 Peter chapter five. Go to your right, 1 Peter five, and look with me at verse six. 1 Peter five, six. It says these words. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I'm gonna slow down for a second. 1 Peter five, seven. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Keep reading. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Isn't it interesting? Verse seven says, cast all your cares upon him, all your anxieties upon him because he loves you, he cares for you. And the very next verse says, be alert, be sober, because you have an adversary, And he goes about like a roaring lion, and what's his goal? Seeking someone to devour. May I submit to you, in the flow of these verses, that it may well be saying, at least this is part of what we should take away, that when we don't cast all our anxieties upon God, when we carry them, when we are weighed down by them, when we are not in communication with God, and not giving him our anxiety and our issues and our problems, the devil is much more apt to win I think that's the flow. 
I think what he's saying is make sure you're in communication with God. Make sure you're casting your cares to him because he does care for you. And oh, by the way, you have an enemy and what he'd like you to do is get your eyes off God so you're weighted down with your problems so you'll fall and be devoured. Be alert. Recognize the battle. Recognize the time when you might be depressed and you're wondering, where in the world did that come from? Recognize that you, you are on the battlefield in this spiritual journey. So, Resist him, nine. Firm in your faith. Remember, we talked about the shield of faith. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering, remember the collective battlefield of all believers, are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. All right, back to Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna move much more quickly through the last verses. But we are to remember that we are to pray. Paul, in many of his letters, talked about praying for people day and night. He told Timothy, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. That's 2 Timothy 1 verse three. Romans 12, 12 says rejoice in, uh, in hope, persevere in tribulation, be devoted to prayer. I think a lot of our problems and difficulties would be put into perspective if we prayed more. Listen to these words by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He reported that before the outbreak of the Spanish Civil War, the country was experiencing such an epidemic of neurosis that psychiatrists could hardly handle them all. But the war, terrible and destructive as it was in most respects, had the unexpected effect of curing many of Spain's thousands of neurotics. When they became concerned about the welfare of their families, friends, and country, instead of their own, their neuroses disappeared, and hospitals and clinics were almost emptied of such cases. Quote, these neurotic people were suddenly cured by a greater anxiety, the anxiety that reached beyond their own selfish welfare, close quote. I think there's a principle. And I think there's so many neurotic people running around in America because we are such a self-focused generation. We spend so much time in the mirror. And if you look in the mirror long enough, you're bound to find blemishes. You know what I'm saying? You even start to consider your wife's nighttime cream, you know? And all the men said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to admit that publicly. But you know what? You spend too much time focusing on self, and you become consumed with everything you think you should be, and you don't have, and the lines in your face that didn't used to be in your face, but now they're in your face. But when you start to move away from the mirror and away from your problems and away from the self-generation, self, we even have magazines, self, you deserve it, yeah. There we go. And it's producing not only a world of neurotic people, but a church of neurotic people because we come into the church with the same attitude, self. It's about me. What do you got for me, right? We come in, that's what it's all about. And how refreshing it is as a pastor when I hear people walk into the church and say, what can I do to serve? How can I help? Man, it's such a blessing. This room is filled with people like that who want to give their lives in service of the king. And Paul says, Ephesians 6, 19, and pray on my behalf. What did Paul's prayer request entail? That utterance, lagos is the Greek word for the word utterance. That word, or the NIV puts it, that whenever I open my mouth, 
Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I have a feeling that people pray Ephesians 6.19 for me. You know why? Just about every time I walk into the pulpit, God empowers me to fearlessly preach the gospel. And that's not necessarily a natural thing. This may surprise some of you. I can be a relatively shy guy. Uh, I did not enjoy public speaking growing up. I had no plans of doing it regularly. Now, it is all that I do. God does have a sense of humor. I remember one time I was invited to do a Little League um, prayer at an opening ceremony, and I was sitting in bed, and I was praying about, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And all of a sudden, the Lord gave me some verses to share with these people, and I'm like, Lord, this is not a church service. These people are not expecting this. And frankly, I was really nervous, and I asked some people to pray for me, and there's about six, 700 people out there, and color guard, all these official city people, and here I am. They hand me the microphone to do the opening prayer. And I started preaching. And this power came over me. I can't explain it to you. It's just the power of God. And I started looking the people in the eye, and I was preaching to them. And I called them to the cross, and I called them to believe in Jesus Christ. And then I ended with a nice baseball prayer, prayed for their season and everything, and amen. Handed the microphone back, walked off, and uh, didn't know what to expect. And some people watched me walking off, and they began to clap for me. And then I had somebody else come up to me and they said, hey, I was sitting next to some people who hadn't been in church for a long time and they looked at me and they said, hey, he's preaching to us. And they said, and you know, we don't mind. And I thought, how cool is that? God had given me a message. Would I share it? Would I fearlessly preach the gospel? Look, to my knowledge of Bible characters, this is one of the most radically bold preachers in the Bible. And what does he pray for? Pray that when I have an open door, and I open my mouth, God will give me boldness to fearlessly preach the gospel. Look, none of us have it in us to walk into some place and think, you know what, this may not be popular, but this is what people need to hear. Because every human inclination in most of us is we'd like to be liked by everybody. But I realize when I step into a pulpit and I'm speaking to a mixed multitude, not everybody's gonna like me. My flesh has a problem with that, frankly. But my spirit says, Lord, if I don't let it out, it's, as Jeremiah said, it's going to be like burning in my bones. I got to let it out. Amen? And so if you want to pray something for this particular pastor, please, whenever I open my mouth, that God would allow me to fearlessly preach the gospel, to boldly preach it. You guys seen the movie Iron Man? I know it's not the most spiritual movie. <clears throat> but do you remember how when he um, was this normal character, scientific guy, you know, he was very vulnerable, but when he put the suit on, he was pretty fantastic. And the suit was pretty cool because it just went bloop, 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 and then it just covered him and it just closed off on his face. And now he was this stud uh, superhero. Well, there's, I think there's a connection here to the armor of God. I feel like, you know, in my normal everyday Michael, I'm just a normal guy. But when the armor of God is in place and it goes around me, I just feel like, you know what, that power is the power of God. It's real, it's tangible, it's something that God does for believers, and it's something that he provides that we might be bold. And so pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness. What does Paul want to make known with boldness? He wants to preach the gospel, folks. He said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. He's not asking for boldness to make a close and a sale, although I would say 
If you want to pray about that, that's fine. But what was Paul's prayer request? That I would preach the gospel boldly. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul's life was about the gospel. It was about sharing the truth of the gospel. And so he said, pray for me. He said, for this gospel, notice, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak, how? Boldly, as I ought to speak. And so each time that we have an open door as believers, what should we pray? God, help me not to bunt when I should take a full swing. Help me not to stick my toe in the water where I should be diving in. And there's an epidemic in the church, and I know you're familiar with it, and there's a lot of preachers bunting when they should be taking full swings. For whatever reason, ashamed of the gospel or holding back for the sake of political correctness. Look, if a person ends up wandering into a church, I think they know what to expect. I don't think that they expect you to entertain them for the next hour and a half. I think they finally wandered into the church because they're figuring out that the world can't quite do it for them. And when they wander into the church, give them the gospel. Amen? Because that's why they came. If they walk into the church and we're giving them the world that they already got out there and they're dying from it, we haven't done them a bit of good. So Paul says, look, pray for me. I'm a soldier. I'm in chains because of this gospel and I want to be bold. And he says in Philippians 1, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. In other words, Paul said, when they saw my circumstances, they said, if Paul can do it in prison, I can do it with my neighbor. And I think that, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, when you pray for my boldness, boldness is contagious, Amen. When you watch somebody else step out, you're more apt to say, you know what? Maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can be more bold. I'm an ambassador. Verse 20, Ephesians 6 says, I'm an ambassador in chains. What's an ambassador? In the ancient world like today, ambassadors represented the king of one nation to the king of another. And they would speak on behalf of the king. And Paul says, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us for people to be what? Reconciled to God. What's, what do we do as ambassadors for Christ? I don't know if you knew this. That's what you are. If you were to make a business card, you could, based upon the Bible, say, I'm an ambassador for Christ on that card. And you're representing the king of heaven to the people on the earth. And what's the message that he wants to plead through you? What's the message he wants you to deliver to others that you, with which you represent him? He wants you to preach the gospel. As though God himself were pleading through you, he wants you to tell people they can be reconciled to God. That's the ministry that you have. It's a ministry of an ambassador, and your message is reconciliation. We can be at peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are a soldier in the battle with other soldiers, fighting the good fight of faith. And now we sum up. He says, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I've sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. And then he sums up the letter. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. 
I think the NIV says, with an undying love. And when you come to the end of the letter of Ephesians, a glorious letter as it's been, Paul's benediction is peace and grace. And he says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, with an incorruptible love. And I think there's a little hint there at the end of the letter that that's kind of what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to corrupt your love. He wants your love to die. He wants to somehow muddy the waters and have you give up as it says in the book of Revelation, to leave your first love. And so you have to be steadfast and realize that that's really the nature of the battle. It's about a relationship. It's about staying close enough to the one who purchased you with his blood so that you can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that what you do for the Lord is never in vain. Never. And so Paul says, look, I want grace to go your way and that your love might be incorruptible. You've been listening to the seventh piece of armor on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's series in the book of Ephesians. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Living Truth app is a great way to stay up to date with what we're doing here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Bible studies, family events, and of course, worship services. If you're out of the area, the LT app has a lot for you too. You can watch and listen to Pastor Michael's latest teachings. Download the Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, as I reflect back on the book of Ephesians, you know, as we uh, do the radio program, we pray about what the Lord has next for us. And some months ago, we began to pray It was on our heart to share Ephesians with you. And what's been amazing is in each section of the book, as we've looked at the wealth of the believer, the walk of the believer, including the idea of the new man, putting on the new man, and the warfare of the believer, we've seen the impact on all of us. The Word of God is living and powerful. It is sharp. It equips. It uh, clothes us. Indeed, we're to adorn ourselves with the doctrine of God. And the good news is that when we take that shield and we take the Word of God and we put on all of the pieces with prayer, uh, prayer is one of the main ways we get endowed with the power of God. And that's been the whole concept, really, behind the uh, armor of God. And I'm so glad that we, we've we been able to spend this time together. Some of you are brand new to the program. This may be your first time listening. Maybe you've listened to the last couple of weeks, and this is the first time you've been exposed to this ministry. Praise God. So glad that you're listening, and we pray that this has been a blessing for you. But as you reflect back on the book of Ephesians, just think about those three major components or sections. The wealth of the believer. Remember who you are in Jesus, that you're saved by grace, through faith, that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. Don't forget about the walk of the believer. We are to walk, Ephesians 4.1, in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And that really means to balance the scale, scales, to balance the scales. A worthy walk is all about letting who we are, match with how we walk. And that includes the concept of putting on the new man, putting away the old stuff, putting on the new man. 
And then finally, the warfare of the believer. We've gone through seven pieces of armor to equip us. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He's provided provisions to protect us in the battle. And the battle belongs to the Lord. Here's the good news. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And he will never stop loving us. And his armor is an expression of his care and concern to protect us and that we would be victorious in this battle. So glad you've been listening to the Letter to the Ephesians here on Walk in Truth. And I'm excited to announce that our next book study is the book of Colossians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. When I was learning the books of the Bible, God's electric power company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Good way to remember it. Hey, and Colossians is such an incredible book. There's a lot of great applications similar to Ephesians, but what we're going to learn about in the first couple of chapters is the supremacy of Christ, the, the, the study of Christology, the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all that he is. He is the God-man. He is the Word of God. He created the heavens and the earth, and he loves you so much. He became a man, and he died in our place and saved us by the blood of his cross. Man, we have so much rich stuff to look forward to in the book of Colossians, both high Christology and good practical theology or walking out who we are. That's coming right here on Walk in Truth, and we're looking forward to presenting it to you. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching series in the book of Colossians called The Hope Laid Up for You in Heaven. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.